What's up, Central? Hey, looking good out there. That's right. I am up, Jolie. You're right. I am up. I am up. Well, hey, I want to welcome not only those of you here in the room, but also want to give a quick shout out to all of you joining us online. We are so glad that you have joined us. If you're ever in the Bay, come check us out in person. We look a lot better in the flesh. Let's give it up for them. Glad that you're here. Well, hey, I, uh, I, I had this question posed to me this week. Who, who is more content, a man with a million dollars or a man with 12 kids? <laughs> the answer seemed easy because a man with 12 kids does not want any more. He is content uh, with what he's got. <laughs> a million bucks, we're just getting started though, right? Uh, I'm sure this would never be true of you, but perhaps you have some people in your life that uh, whenever they talk, they seem to see everything in a negative sense, and they seem to highlight all the reasons why they are not content rather than highlighting all the reasons why they are content. And um, a couple tweets uh, came up this week, and uh, some people posted for the whole world to see that they could sympathize with the burdens that they carry in life. Uh, like this lady, she said, I, I had a cup, this is actually a dude, uh, I, had, I just had a cup of tea with soy milk. It was the worst decisions I ever made in my life. I'm like, let me talk to you about some bad decisions, partner. Let me, let me help you out. Uh, this next one, this lady said, I have a paper cut on my iPad finger. Every tweet is agony, but I persist bravely, right? It's like, hey, you go, girl, that's awesome. Um, well, let's be honest, like contentment is something that we all wrestle with. Uh, contentment is, is something that we, is kind of a, a moving target in our, in our culture today. And, and one of the reasons I love this series in the book of Proverbs is we're getting practical wisdom from our daily life with things that we all wrestle with, things that we all struggle with. And, and contentment is certainly one of those. Uh, our, our, our series uh, in the book of Proverbs, our theme verse has been Proverbs 4, 7. Proverbs 4, 7 says this, uh, wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. The, the New Living Translation puts it this way. It says, uh, uh, wisdom is the, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. It says, though it costs all you have, get understanding. Like this is the apex. If you're going to go after something in life, aim at the target of wisdom. And our key passage today, a key verse that we're going to look at is uh, Proverbs 19.23. And here's what it says. It says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content untouched by trouble. Uh, in week one, we looked at an overview of uh, this book of Proverbs, but we also looked at what the Bible calls the foundation of wisdom. And it says that the beginning of wisdom, the foundation of wisdom is this thing called the fear of the Lord. And we discovered in week one that having a healthy fear of God doesn't mean that we, we, we stiff arm God. We, we don't view him as unapproachable, but actually having a healthy fear of God means that we see God as he is. It, it means we recognize that, that he's awesome. You know what I mean? Like God created the heavens and the earth. Like he created the stars in the sky. And we looked at week one, like that's kind of a big deal because uh, there's a lot of stars. They're kind of they're really, really, really big. He's, he's an awesome God. Not only just does, does he do big things way out there, but he does big things right here. Like he, he knit you together in your mother's womb. He makes these things we call spiders. And if you think spiders are super they weave silk webs at 60 feet an hour. Like, whoa, like, God, you do big, you do big things. God, you're awesome. 
We recognize, God, you're, you're holy, like there's no one else like you. And we recognize that, God, you're right. Like sometimes my emotions tell me one thing, sometimes my feelings tell me one thing. But God, you, you know all, you see all, you're from the beginning, you see the end. And, and God, if you say it, then I'm just going to trust that you're right. And when we see God, when we live through this lens that God is awesome, God is holy, God is right, then we live with a healthy fear of the Lord. And the Bible makes this audacious claim that when we do that, that, that contentment is possible. That, that you don't just experience life, but you experience another level of life, unlike the world around us, because we can rest content in who he is. Well, one of the greatest enemies of contentment is comparison. And for the next few minutes, I want to talk to us about uh, a culture of comparison that we live in, and uh, then the secret of contentment. The Bible actually claims that, that contentment is available to you, available to me. And so if you want to follow along, inside your program is some notes. Uh, i got a lot of content to cover. This will help us keep on track as we move forward. And first, we're looking at a culture of comparison. In comparison, um, well, let me, let me read you a verse first. Proverbs 14.30 says this, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy, it rots the bones. Like, like we, we have this internal, like, uh, destruction going on whenever we live from this posture of envy and, and looking at others and comparing ourselves with what others have. And comparison makes life about three things. If we were to boil it down to the most simplistic form, uh, the first would be this. Comparison makes life about the wrong perspective. A wrong perspective. Comparison forces us to focus on what's wrong in our lives rather than what is right in our lives. And, uh, and there's a lot of research on this today as we live in a culture of comparison. There's a lot of research around social media and how social media plays into this comparison culture. Uh, I read a, a fascinating book by a guy named Cal Newport. He wrote a book called Digital Minimalism. read this a, a few months ago. But he says this, and here's a quote from his book. He says, what we repeatedly came up in our own research on how tech companies encourage behavioral addiction is two things. One, intermittent positive reinforcement, and two, the drive for social approval. Uh, and so we post things on social media, like I, I do this, uh, and we're like, hey, did they like it? Did anyone comment? Like, like do, do I, do, am I getting positive reinforcement from this? Is, this drives my social approval? And so we, we're, we're connected to our phones, not because we want to be connected to our phones, but we're driven for social approval and positive reinforcement that, that social media actually provides and actually you're, you're hardwired for. Um, some research shows that spending as little as 15 minutes a day on social media results in increased anxiety and depression. Uh, it's true, right? Uh, nervous laughter because we recognize that. <laughs> uh, how, how, how does this play out? So, so here's what, what this looks like. I jump on Instagram, right? Only to discover that my buddy like, just bought a new boat. And I'm like, well, rather than being excited for my friend, I'm like, well, shoot, like, I don't have a boat. Matter of fact, I'm not even in a position to buy a boat. So like, what the heck? And all of a sudden, what's awesome in his life only highlights what's missing in my life. Uh, maybe a friend buys a new Tesla. Awesome. Super excited for them. I'm rocking a 15-year-old minivan, people. All of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. Rather than being excited I got wheels, I'm missing out on a Tesla, right? It highlights what, what I don't have. Uh, I feel bad, you know, for singles. You know, before, there was a time in a generation previously where the only people would nag you would be your mom and your grandma 
about being single. But now you jump on social media and they're like posting selfies at this awesome dinner. Like there are engagement photos. There's wedding planning going on. And you're confronted with the reality of singleness. Like on a, on a daily basis, my apologies for all the singles among us. Maybe you take the family to like this relaxing day at Half Moon Bay, which by the way is like a vacation destination for many people around the world. Uh, But while you're there on this awesome getaway at Half Moon Bay, you jump on Instagram only to find that your friends are like at Greece or they're like on the beach in the Bahamas. And all of a sudden this awesome day at the beach turns out it's like, oh, I don't have that. You know, like this culture of comparison. Or maybe you see people posting flawless, happy pictures of their family while you're at home yelling at your kids, right? My favorite is people who post gym pictures all the time. And if you're one of them, no worries, but this is how I see it. Um, like they go to the gym, like they, they run a, a marathon and then they like do this CrossFit workout and they set a new personal record and it's awesome. I'm super happy, but I'm like eating a cheeseburger, you know? And so rather than enjoying my cheeseburger, like I'm just realizing how out of shape I am, you know? You know what I'm saying, Evan, right? You're with me. Craig Rochelle says this, uh, the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. Because when I compare, all of a sudden my perspective shifts from all that I do have to actually all that I I don't have. Uh, I listened to a podcast this week on generational diversity in the workplace and um, what they discover, what they're discovering is this shifting trend among, uh, as Jim, Gen Z comes into the workplace, a shifting trend of focus on anticipation to now more of a culture of, of anxiety. And Dr. Leahy, a cognitive therapist, here's what he said. He said, uh, and this was shocking to me. This is the, the biggest surprise from this podcast. He says, the, and I quote, the average teenager experiences the same level of anxiety as a psychiatric patient did in the 1950s. How sad is that? I think it just highlights that we we got our perspective backwards. He would go on to say that you can track the rising trend in anxiety in our world on the same timeline. It mirrors the same timeline as the rise of social media. His reasoning is that we're not made to take in an overwhelming amount of data for us to compare ourselves to. Uh, now, that being said, I love social media. Uh, what I am not saying is go home and delete your social media accounts. That is not what I'm saying today. Uh, actually, I think we can do a better job of leveraging social media in the church space and in the world around us. Um, so I'm not saying go home and delete it. But what I am saying is that we cannot allow a culture of comparison to shift our perspective from all that God has entrusted to us to highlighting all that we do not have in our life. Uh, a culture of comparison will, number one, lead to a wrong perspective Second thing it will do, it will lead to some wrong presumptions. I get a wrong perspective on things, then I, get some wrong, I make some, some wrong presumptions. Uh, so the second fill in the blank is presumption. Uh, we, we get a wrong perspective. We, we focus on, man, they got this, I don't. And then we live from this presumption, like if I had that, then I would be happy. Like happiness is on the other side of acquiring that one more thing. Uh, marketing plays on this, right? Here, here's a simple view of marketing from my, my perspective. Marketing says this, you're not happy, but happiness is only one step away, right? You're not happy, but if you have this, then you will be happy. Uh, I don't know if you remember Shake Weight. We got a picture here, Shake Weight. Yeah, so like this guy, right? Thanks a lot, Shake Weight. So I look at that and I'm like, man, I'm not chiseled like that dude, but, but happiness is only $29.95 away, and I can get that shake weight, baby, and I can start working it, right? Uh, and marketers have gotten so good at this 
that now they can communicate that message without even using any words. Uh, check this out. Here's what I mean. <laughs> Volkswagen. Yeah, so like you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be the laughing stock of society. You don't want to be stressed out all the time. Uh, you want to be calm. You want to be cool. You want to be collected. You want to be respected. And that is on the other side of buying, obviously, a Volkswagen SUV, right? Like, like that's a logical conclusion. And we live from this framework, right? We think, man, I'm not satisfied, but if I had that, then I would be. If I bought that, then I would be. And here's what I've found in my own life. Uh, when I do that, when I live from that one more thing, once I acquire that one thing, I start looking for one more thing, right? Um, I don't know if you guys uh, are fans of Jim Carrey. Uh, if you are a product lived through the 90s, uh, then maybe you heard of uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. A favorite in my household that we watch year-round, actually. My little girl loves it, The Grinch, uh, the Christmas movie, The Grinch. And uh, arguably the best movie of all time, uh, Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and Dumber. Best, arguably the best movie of all time, uh, starring my man, uh, Jim Carrey. And, uh, and Jim Carrey, man, he, he's achieved so many rewards. He's gotten filthy rich and uh, acquired a bunch of stuff. Uh, but here's what Jim Carrey said, and I thought this was interesting. He says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it is not the answer. I think everyone should get rich and famous, do everything they ever dreamed of, buy everything you ever wanted, only to discover it's not the answer. And some of us here are like, well, I'm willing to give it a shot, right? Like, I'm, I'll be the guinea pig. I'll take it for the team. Socrates said this. He said, he who is not content with what he has would not be contented with what he would like to have. In other words, he's, ancient wisdom says, you know what, if we can't find contentment right here, right now, we're not going to find contentment on the other side of more stuff. Uh, the third observation is this. So we get a wrong perspective that leads to some wrong presumptions. And that, that, the challenging thing is it, it leads us to focus on the wrong person. The wrong person. Uh, finding contentment is accepting who God wants you to be, not about who you wish you were. If we're not careful, we'll, we'll get so focused on what other people have, what other people are doing, that we'll lose sight on what God has called us to and what we, what we have. Um, some of us, man, we get so caught up scrolling through other people's lives that we fail to live our own life. We scroll through other people's ministry that we forget about the ministry God has set before, before us. And again, I'm a fan of social media. I just think it, it can lead to a wrong perspective and lead to some wrong presumptions. And then we focus on the wrong, wrong person. Proverbs 27, 3 through 4 says this, uh, Stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but resentment 
caused by a fool is, is even heavier. Like we resent people because they got this, I don't have this. We focus on the wrong person. And he says, anger is cruel and wrath like a flood, but jealousy is even more dangerous. Kerry Newhoff, he says this, when you focus too much on what God has given others, you miss out on what he's given you. That's true. That's true. So we've identified some reasons why we get caught in this comparison trap. We live in this culture of comparison, but is contentment really available? Is contentment even like an option in our life? Uh, The Bible would seem to indicate that it is. And Paul says that he's learned the secret of contentment. And so we're going to shift gears now from focusing on a culture of comparison to how do we live a life of contentment? Here's what Paul says in, in Philippians 4. Uh, He he says in in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Here's what he says. I have found, I've learned to be content in in whatever the circumstance. Uh, I know what it is to be in need. Uh, I also know what it is to to have plenty. Uh, I've learned the secret of being content. There it is, the secret of being content in any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Uh, that's more than a cool verse for athletes to write on their tennis shoes. Uh, that, that's a verse that highlights, man, contentment is available to you, to me, in our daily life. And Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content. It's a learned process. It doesn't, contentment doesn't come from the outside in. Contentment actually wells up from the inside as we focus on who God is and his generosity towards us. And so three things I want us to, to learn from the life of Paul as he, he claims to have learned the secret of contentment. The first thing I want to highlight from the life of Paul is this. Uh, realize what we have. We need to real, just remember what we have. Realize what we have. Uh, here's what Paul said in 1 Timothy 1, 5 through 17. He said this, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Like this is a big, big statement. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Paul's like, you know what? I've I've led a lot of people to Christ. I've started a lot of churches, but you know what? I'm never losing sight of who I was. I'm never losing sight of what God has rescued me from. I'm never losing perspective on what I already have in my life. And maybe like Paul, you're here and God has rescued you from rigid religiosity and he's brought you into a loving relationship with the Father. Or maybe you're like me and man, we've done some things in our past that, that we're not real proud of. I've done some things in my past that, that make me cringe when I think about. And I don't have to reach back to the real far distant, distant past to, to grab hold of one of those things either. But, but, but maybe like you, it's upon us to pause and say, what has God rescued you from? What has God rescued me from? Paul never lost sight of that and allowed him to live from this framework of contentment. And maybe you're here and you're just exploring the claims of Jesus. And I think that's so awesome. I'm honored that you're here. But what would be true for you, what would be true for me is this statement. This is the good news. And and Paul would say, this is a trustworthy saying. It deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ might display his immense patience as an example to those who would believe in him and have eternal life. And then Paul, like, he reflects on the reality of God's goodness, on the reality of God's grace, and he, like, busts into praise. And here's what he says. He says, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, to him be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. 
That's good. That's a good place for us to put our hands together and say, God, you've been good, right? God, you've rescued us from some stuff. You're the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. God, you've been so good. When I realize what I have, I remember he's all I really need. <clears throat> this past week at camp, we, uh, we, ha- we have some signs up here on stage. And, uh, and I think it would be healthy for us to have a reminder of, of some of these realities. Like, like, check this out, this first sign. God wants you to know him. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> For some of us, like we get in this church routine and we lose sight of the magnitude of this reality. Like, like we're here in this room because, because we want to know God more. But here's the reality of the Bible. Here's the claim of the Bible that, that when you reach out to God, God is like running after you. That, like when you pursue him, he, he's like going to pursue you. As you desire to know God, God desires even more for you to know him. Isn't it nice to know that when we seek him, we'll find him. When we seek him with all of our heart, that God wants you to know Him, what an awesome reality today. Check this one. You can know God through his word. What? Stop it. Like the creator of the universe, every day of your life, the God of the universe desires to speak into your life, and you can have a conversation. You can hear from heaven every day of your life because you can know God through his word. Isn't it nice to know that we're not just hopeful, like we're not just throwing a dart at an aimless target. No, the God of the universe wants to talk to you, and he desires to talk to you through his word. You can know God every day of your life through his word. Uh, check this one out. God sent Jesus to save us. Wow, like, man, some, may we never be a people that get numb to that reality. May we never look at that, that board and say, wow, that's so simple. No, 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 no. That is what it's all about. <laughs> like God sent Jesus to save us. Like here's the deal. You can know the value of something by the price someone's willing to pay. And I'm just here to tell you, like God loves you. God values you so much that he would send his one and only son to rescue you, to pay the penalty for your mistakes, for your shame, for your sin, so that you can be free. You can live a life of of freedom, free from shame, free from condemnation. Romans 8 says this, uh, Now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. God sent Jesus to save you. Isn't it nice to know that he values you, that he loves you that much? And as if, as if God wanting you to know you and, and for you to know him isn't enough, as if, as if revealing himself through his word isn't enough, as if God sending Jesus to save us isn't enough, he sent his spirit to help you. And here's the audacious claim of the Bible, that when you make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life, that the God of heaven, the Spirit of God comes and it takes up residence in your life to help you, to empower you, to equip you, to do, to live a life that you could never live on your own. Isn't it nice to know that you're not on this journey all by yourself? Isn't it nice to know that the Spirit of God is in you to help you, equip you, to live a life beyond this life? Isn't it nice to know when I realize all I already have, I remember he's all I really need. You say, well, what's the application of that point? Um, I, I would just ask you, if, what if you made a list of everything God has provided in your life? Uh, James says that, that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. Like everything good in your life is a gift from God, whether you believe in him or not, that's a reality. What if you made a list? And again, whether you believe in God or not, what if you just made a list 
So whenever discontentment rises in your heart, you can go back to the list and say, no, I got this. I got this going right. I got family. I got one busted Achilles, but I got one good Achilles. I'm going to be thankful for that. I can see. I can walk. I can talk. Like I got a great church family. I live in the Bay. I'm a blessed person, right? And when discontentment rises, what are you doing to combat that? What if you made a list? What if you made a list of all the good things God has done in your life? Uh, What might your week look like? if we live from a posture of appreciation. The secret of contentment is not more acquisition, it's more appreciation. Second fill in the blank on your notes is make God your source. Make God our source. Um, Some of us here today, we're just checking things out and that's awesome. Uh, Some of us have been following Jesus for our our whole lives and I think that's awesome. Uh, But no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, I would just say this. Uh, you'll never find contentment until you rest in him. Uh, satisfact- I'm, just, I'm just telling you from personal experience. I've tried it. Uh, I've ran after more money, more drugs, more fulfillment, more physical fulfillment, more, 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 only to find myself broken and empty. Until and the, the last place I thought I would look would be in a room like this with a God of the universe to connect with Jesus, to know him. The last pla- that'd be the last place I thought I would find it. Because so I thought... A room like this was a people full of buzzkills that just want to tell me how stupid I am and how I'm living wrong. And, and there's some truth to that. But here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. My, my life began to find fulfillment when I, when I surrendered my life to God, when I w- waved a, a white flag and said, you know what, God, my life, my life is yours. I can't do this anymore. I found fulfillment in that space. And I'm just telling you, if you're looking for contentment, you're not going to find it until you get there. Uh, St. Augustine, he said this, He said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord. Our heart is restless until it rests in you. Our hearts are restless until we rest in you. If you're tired of living a restless life, then maybe it's time you start resting in him. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says this, "Uh, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Work it out. Work it out. Uh, This is not to imply that somehow we earn our salvation. Uh, What Paul is saying here, this this Greek phrase was often used as a word picture of mining gold. Uh, What Paul is saying here, don't stay on the surface of salvation, but dig deeper. And the more you dig, the more gold you'll find. Paul isn't saying again that we earn our salvation But what he is saying is don't get stuck on the surface of your salvation. The more you dig, the more gold you find. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, this journey with God is actually like an onion working backwards. Like each layer gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Make God your source. And here's what the Bible would say. You can go from glory to glory to glory to glory. For all the gamers among us, we go level up, we level up, we level up, we level up, we level up. That's the journey of Jesus. Like the more you read God's word, it doesn't become more mundane. You discover more richness, more more vibrancy in the text. Uh, There's some saints among us that have been following Jesus longer than I've been alive. And uh, here's what would be true of them. If you get it like Noni. I was talking to Noni this morning. Uh, We were praying backstage. And one thing I love about Noni, Noni's 92. (laughs) Sorry, that's way out of bounds. Noni's nine years old. And awesome. But what I love about Noni is that, that you get around her and she's going to encourage you. 
She's gonna talk about what the Lord's been doing in her life, what God's been saying to her. Yeah. And we need more nonies in the world because sometimes for a guy like me, I look at the future and I think, man, being nine years old, like you've been journeying with Jesus a long time. Like, what, what's it, does this get dry? Does this get mundane? No, no, no. The, Noni's testimony would be glory to glory to glory. He get, every day with Jesus is a little sweeter than the day before, she would say. That's it, Noni. Come on. It's an onion working in reverse. Every layer gets a little, little bigger. Everything we need and everything we lack is found in Christ. Uh, it's not found in more stuff, more wealth. That's a treadmill that will leave you exhausted. But First Timothy, one, First uh, Timothy six six says, "Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth." Contentment isn't found in the more we acquire. Contentment is found in more of God. So let's make God our source. How do we make God our source? I would encourage you this week. What do you suppose you could do to fill your thoughts with God's word? As you go about this week, God wants to, you can know him through his word. How can you fill your thoughts with more of God? How, what can you do this week to meditate on God's word? It'll change your perspective. It'll change your reality. What might you be able to do this week to have a continual conversation with God through prayer? Focusing on his word, having conversation with him. It, it, it'll make God your source in your life. And then finally, the last fill in the blank there is live life on mission. Live life on mission. Uh, here's what Paul says in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. He says, not that I've already obtained all this, or I've already been made, I've already arrived at my goal. Uh, Paul wasn't, he was content, but he wasn't satisfied with where he was. He says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul could have tapped out. He could have said, you know what, I've led thousands of people to cry. I've planted hundreds of churches. Like, I'm just going to go sit on the beach somewhere. But he says, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm going to forget what's behind, and I'm going to strain towards this goal because as long as there's more people that need to find and follow Jesus, I'm committed to living my life on mission Babe Ruth said, you can't win today's game on yesterday's home runs. We need to forget what's behind, strain towards what's ahead. Uh, the fifth sign over here, it says, you can help others know God. What? Like, like, like God didn't just save you from something, he saved you for something. Like you have not only divine power and purpose in the moment, but, but he's released you on mission and giving this incredible honor, freed you from shame, and now bestows this honor upon you to allow us to live our life on mission. And this was one of Paul's secrets of living a life of contentment, that he set his mind to live on mission. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21 says this, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Isn't it nice to know you've been reconciled? Uh, that, that's like an accounting term. Like your account balance in the courts of heaven has been brought to zero. All, every dumb thing you've ever said, every dumb action you've ever done, like in the courts of heaven you've been forgiven. And now through Christ you can have access to this, this God who created the universe and, and you can have freedom from the shame and condemnation of your past. You've been set free. You've been, Paul says you've been reconciled. But he didn't just bring your account to zero. He didn't just free you from shame and guilt. He now endows you with this honor. And here it is. And he's given us this ministry 
of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. It's like, hey, guess what? You can be free too. And he's committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, though God were making his appeal through us. Listen, you are an ambassador of heaven representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. An ambassador it goes from a, a foreign land into an unknown territory to represent the leader of that land. And what Paul is saying is that you're a citizen of heaven. You've been reconciled, but now you're here on earth representing the King of Kings, and you got a message. And the message is this. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't it nice to know that out of the 7.6 billion people walking on the earth right now, God chose you to live right here, right now in the bay. Isn't it nice to know that he chose you to lock arms right here at Central Christian Church to make an impact in our world? Isn't it nice to know that he chose you to work at that company where you work? So when you stroll into the office tomorrow, you're not just showing up to work, but you're rolling in as an ambassador of heaven with a message on your lips that you can find freedom. You can be set free. Your account balance can be brought to zero as well. Be reconciled to Christ. We now have purpose he trusts you enough to be an ambassador for him. And isn't it nice to know that of all the Christians who would ever find and follow Jesus throughout all history, God chose you to live right here in the bay in Santa Clara County where 1.7 million people are headed to a Christless eternity. And here's the deal. You're the solution. You're their hope. Isn't it nice to know that he doesn't just save you from something, but he saved you for something. You have a purpose. We have a mission. You can help others know God. What an honor. As I was preparing for this message and praying about this, and I just felt like, man, this is a word for, for some, some of us here. And that is some of us here are living discontented lives because we're consumed with things that are so small when God has called us to something so big. He's called us to so much more. And we get so caught up in the mundane. But, but if we would just lift our eyes up and say, no, 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 I'm not going to worry about all that. I'm going to live my life on mission. God, you've put a place of great honor, a great call on our lives, and we're going to focus on that. Imagine if we were people so consumed by our mission that the only thing we identified as miss missing in our lives are people that have not yet found and started following Jesus. Imagine if we lived with a white-hot passion for our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers to begin finding and following him. Imagine what our life would look like, how our perspective might shift from temporary to eternal when we begin to live our life on mission. Isn't it nice to know that you have not just been saved from something, you've been saved for something. And when I realize what I already have, I remember he's all I really need. When I make God my source, I realize he's more than enough. And when I live my life on mission, I live free from temporary distractions, and I find purpose and meaning even in the pain, because God has a purpose and a plan for each one of you. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you for your grace. 
We thank you, God, that you empower us to live on mission for you, that we can live content lives. So, God, I pray if anyone on this earth would be able to find contentment, that, God, it would be us, your church, your representatives. So, God, help us to live lives content in all you've already given us. And may we live from a posture of appreciation. Help us to be those people. Uh, with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here and you'd say, you know what, Tim, like I've, I'm, I need some help in those areas. I'm, I'm not realizing all I already have. Or maybe you're here and you say, I, I haven't been making God my source. I know I need to, uh, but I've just been living my life trying to make other things the center of the source of all that I find fulfillment in. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I've been distracted. I haven't been living life on mission, but I want to. I know God's placed me here to help people find and follow Jesus, and I've just been distracted from that mission. But you'd say, Tim, would you pray for me? Because I want to I get that back in line. If that's you today, would you just slip up your hand? I'd love to pray for you today. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know what? I, I haven't made Jesus the leader and the forgiver of my life. Uh, and honestly, like St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until we find rest in him. And so maybe for you today, the best next step would be to say, you know what, I'm going I'm to give my life to God. I'm going to surrender. And I'm going to find rest in who he is. I want to live from that posture of contentment. If that's you today, with every head bow, every eye closed, you say, I want to begin that journey. Uh, I would just invite you to say a simple prayer with me like this. God, I recognize that you're a big God. You do big things. God, I recognize I've made some mistakes in my life, and according to the Bible, you call that sin, and sin separates me from you, and, and I don't want that, and I'm so thankful, God, that you sent Jesus to pay the penalty for my sins, my mistakes, so that my account balance can be reconciled, brought to zero, forgiven. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my mistakes, and I believe that Jesus rose again. Now, God, I ask you to give me the gift of eternal life. God, I ask you to send your spirit to take up residence in me so that I can experience the life-changing power that you have for me. If that was your prayer today, would you just have the courage? No, no one's looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. Just look at me real quick. Thanks. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Well, God, you've seen people reaching out to you, recognizing that our life has gotten out of balance. We haven't made you the source. We've forgotten how much you've already blessed us with, and we haven't lived our lives on mission. But God, right here, right now, we're committing ourselves to you afresh to say, God, we are your people. We want to live life on purpose. We know you got great things for us, but God, we don't want to miss it from the distractions around us. So empower us, equip us to live life with intentionality this week, I pray. And God, for everyone that was reaching out to you today, saying they want to make you the leader and the forgiver of our, their lives, God, I pray you come in like a flood with your radical grace, your rescuing power. Help us be the people you created us to be. Help us to experience your life-changing power. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Let's give it up for those people that made that spiritual commitment. It's awesome. Uh, I want to invite the ushers to come down. They're going to begin to pass out some communion elements. Some of you are like, dude, you forgot a fill in the blank, and the world will not be right until we get all the fill in the blanks in. And I understand that, and I respect that. So the wisdom from week five is this. Contentment isn't living with less, but living with more of God. Contentment isn't living with less, but contentment is found in living with more of God.